0: Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're gonna discuss the potential future of your screens. No more phones, no more television, no more tablets. Maybe the future is just a nice pair of glasses to handle all of it for you. That's what the biggest tech companies are dreaming will happen. Then we head to Camera Corner, where Wendy will discuss stabilizing your webcam, which is a follow-up to last week's episode, where I asked the question, how the heck do I stabilize the webcam? So sit back, relax, and plug in, because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, a resident photographer extraordinaire, along with hardware enthusiast, and Michael, the software sage in Hardware Padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, is it true you have no hardware to talk about?
1: I know it's shocking. I typically have just the most of everyone, and I always have the most obscure things and the, mo- the most frequent of... St- but this week, uh, no, I don't have anything to spit.
2: Nothing? Not even phone shopping? Because we did talk a little bit about that last week where you were starting to do some phone shopping. You didn't do any looking I into did, that I at all did either. do
1: some phone shopping and I just uh, it's just painful. There's so much. Truth. There's, there's so much to, to figure out now and uh, it just gives me a headache most of the time. So I, uh, I did phone shopping twice during the period between episodes and then I decided I'm just going to wait until it's not painful, which I expect that never to happen.
2: Right, that means you're never getting a new phone then, huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see. But <laughs> well, this point it's
0: probably better to wait till next year because there will be a whole bunch of new offerings coming out, theoretically, anyways. But Wendy, what have you been doing?
2: Speaking of camera hardware, for my daughter's class, she needed to take a landscape image. And we decided to do it in evening. It really wasn't that far from the house. It's one of the joys of living out in the country. It wasn't the greatest sunset, but I told her, hey, grab the tripod. You're going to need it. So she put it in the car. She's like, yeah, this is great. She got out, and she was trying to take these pictures by hand. And when she gets back in, I'm like, okay, go ahead. Take a look at your pictures. Zoom in. And she's like, they're blurry. I said, yes, because it's nighttime, and you have an extremely long shutter. There's no way they're going to be... Solid, they're nowhere they're going to be crisp and clean. So, it was a process of helping to teach her the value of the tripod, especially when you are doing landscape style images. And then, because we were out and about, the tripod was already set up, the camera was on it, we were playing with it. I went ahead and we played with some flashlight style photography. So, while the long exposure was going on, I turned the flashlight on on my phone and was highlighting certain parts of a fence with it. So much fun. If you don't have a tripod, I really recommend getting one, especially after last week's conversation. They are so extremely helpful.
0: Absolutely makes complete sense. And I love that you have this beautiful learning moment with your kid where they get to learn part of your trade and some of the things that you do for a living. I did get my hands on a new piece of hardware, which I bought used because I would never buy from this particular company brand new because I just have issues with them as a whole. But a lot of people have been talking nonstop about the Apple M1s and the M1 chip and how impressive they are. So I got my hands on a used Apple M1 MacBook Air, and it was one of those situations where you have to, when you're buying used and you want to get a good deal, look for something that you know you can repair, or you have to get in the psychology of where what people's mindset is at this time. And in this case, there was nothing to repair. This MacBook was in pristine condition, except it didn't come with any of the chargers or box. And right now, it's holiday season, and anyone spending a lot of money wants to get things for a present. So nobody was bidding on this, and I picked it up for about $640 dollars for an Apple M1 MacBook Air, which they retail, I think, starting around the $999 mark. So that was a pretty amazing deal on this particular device and gave me a chance to kind of check out the M1 and what it's all about. And I will tell you that this laptop is your typical Apple laptop. In fact, if you compared it to the original Intel's, I'm talking looks here, Uh, that came out just before it, you would have a hard time distinguishing it at all. It has, and and that's not a bad thing. It has the beautiful, nice aluminum unibody frame, the beautiful retina screen, the fantastic magic keyboard, the absolutely amazing trackpad. Of course, it's all backlit. It doesn't have any ports in this particular Apple M1 Mac. We talked about the pros that they brought some of the ports back. Well, this one is your typical Apple. You get the two USB-Cs and... So headphone jack, and that's about it. So that creates some frustration, especially if you are sitting on a couch and the charger has to wrap around the back to get to the two ports because they're only on the left side of the laptop. So, you know, it was a very typical Apple experience. I would say the difference, the two differences that I noticed, as I, I've done on my channel, Dos Geek channel, I did a whole review of the whole all the Intel ones before the M1s came out. So this is very recent in my mind. The only difference I could really tell are two things. Number one, there's no heat and there's zero noise because it's completely fanless, but there's no heat. And that's a big difference. If you ever messed with an Intel Apple MacBook Air, there was a lot of heat, especially at the top of that frame right before the screen. I mean, it, you if you put your fingers there, it would be uncomfortable to hold them there on the Intel version. This one doesn't heat up. And number two is, after four hours of working on it, still being at a hundred percent battery life, is kind of a wild ride. yeah, that's that that's pretty sounds
2: cool. absolutely crazy.
0: It almost makes it feel like something's broke, but these laptops get like it's not reading it correctly, but these uh, these laptops get over 20 hours of battery life. So four hours did not even put a dent into this machine. now it it is amazing because, in my opinion, mac os is a more refined experience than the linux desktop it's more refined it's more put together it's prettier things flow together correctly however it's way more limited than linux so when it comes to anything like i wanted to try out some games to see if i could push this new m1 see if i could get it to heat up or anything but there's barely any games to choose from out there in your steam library and everything Apple wants to do is constantly sell you a subscription to something. Hey, do you want to buy the music subscription? Do you want to buy our TV subscription? Do you want to buy our game subscription? So even some of the games that looked interesting, you couldn't get them. You couldn't buy them separately. You have to pay that 499 subscription fee to get into their gaming service, to get the game and things like that. So it's just this constant push to get you into and locked into their ecosystem. And so, From a lot of perspective, it's a fantastic machine. I enjoy it very much, but at the same time, I feel like I'm just on a more limited version of Linux in a lot of aspects. But I'm telling you, that ARM chip is quite amazing. That battery life blows me away, and I can't wait to see that in the PC world if we're able to get a manufacturer to build something quality like Apple has, as far as the aesthetics, the nice unibody, an actual screen that's more than 1920 by 1080 would be nice. Hello, PC world. And uh, have a beautiful trackpad and things in there. I think it's going to be quite amazing for people to experience that really long battery life.
2: Did you ever get a performance hit from this device? So yeah, battery life is sounds like it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I would love to have a laptop that has battery life like that, but... Because this doesn't have cooling on it, did you ever put it under a heavy workload where maybe some kind of cooling would have been beneficial or was there no performance hit at all?
0: The machine doesn't seem to sweat, but it is buggy. And I'm glad you brought that up because when I say macOS is more refined, That's kind of the experience that I've generally, in general, had with macOS, even in the Intel versions. It's just the things you expect to work always work. But with the M1, there are these situations where things stop for no reason. They hesitate for no reason. Or you click something like yes or confirm in a menu and you're waiting. And then all of a sudden it just kind of like kicks in and starts going and it starts moving really fast after that. But there's almost this it's almost in a way like you can feel the ramp up between the efficiency cores and the performance cores for just a small second. It's not big enough to really remove you from that experience, but there is something there happening. And I don't know if it's because there's some virtualization going on with Rosetta, depending on the app or other things. And there's also a lot of apps you can't run. Like if you wanna run VirtualBox, you're out of luck. You're not gonna be running VMs in Mac. And apparently there's no plans to. Now you can use QEMU and things like that to get them working. But there are a lot of things that just aren't available. But when I've pushed it with some gaming that I was able to get going, and I pushed it with Blender, you know, minus those kind of initial maybe ramp-ups, it just floats through them with no problem. It's a beast. And they've done an amazing job on the Apple M1 MacBook, without a doubt.
2: So with that complaint, over time, over the next generation, maybe even over some software updates that could be fixed on this particular machine. They're just not there yet. It's first generation, and there's always bugs in first generation.
0: Absolutely. Whether you're Apple or anybody else, you're going to go through that. And I think considering everything that they were able to accomplish and all the software they were able to get working in such a short time frame, I think they've done quite an amazing job. And I know that people who don't like Apple hate to hear that, but facts are facts. It just is what it is. This episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Now's the perfect time to dive into DigitalOcean. Their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud native apps for way less money. With that platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites faster and easier than ever before with its simple, intuitive interface. Simply point app platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let it do all the heavy lifting. Whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, Docker, and container images, it's all there. I've been playing a lot with Docker lately. I've been using DigitalOcean as I'm learning and going through these various courses, and it's so helpful to be able to put an instance up, put some containers up, and then I can tear it down when I'm not using it. Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup as well. As a Hardware Addicts listener and a member of the DLN community, you can get started building your world-changing app with their app platform for absolutely nothing. In fact, I'm going to do better than nothing. We're going to give you, DigitalOcean's going to give you $100 to start playing with and setting up different droplets for your applications or whatever you're wanting to do out there. Go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your $100 free credit. That's do. Slash DLN. Get your $100 credit. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. So, this week, I wanted to have a discussion around this emerging technology, the kind of tech that is going to replace everything in our lives. Televisions, we're so relying on today, and the rumor is that we're going to see this tech in 2022. So, whether you're using televisions, tablets, cell phones, this tech, What we're talking about is AR and VR here is set to potentially replace all of those screens. So you wouldn't need them. You wouldn't have to have all these monitors for your computer. You wouldn't have to have televisions in every room. You would just carry around maybe some really cool AR glasses or VR glasses or maybe a combination of both in the glasses. And you would have the ability to have all of those screens right there. You want four 4K monitors, You can do that because everything's just gonna be projected through the VR glasses there. And currently, major technology companies are invested in bringing this technology to the masses. They are spending billions of billions of dollars on research. They've been spending billions of dollars on research. We know that the market uh, for AR and VR is absolutely from the analysts predicted to be just this explosive emerging market out there. And a lot of companies are trying to put their particular type of product into that bucket so they can get a big part or chunk of that business. So there are a couple companies that actually have products out right now. There's more than a couple, but I'm gonna talk about just a few of them and some of the major ones here. We have Microsoft, of course, with their HoloLens, and this is marketed right now towards businesses currently. So think about industry, think about medical and those type of applications where HoloLens is there. And of course, it's priced in such a way that your typical consumer is not gonna go out there and get HoloLens yet. But as they're releasing these, of course, to businesses, if there is a big consumer market, they're having lots of years of actually having a product out there and lots of testing and software manipulation, other things that they're able to do where other companies who may not have a product out yet don't have that. So I think that gives Microsoft a little bit of an advantage and of course you have google glass which i think most of us geeks have heard about like you've heard about google glass right wendy
2: oh absolutely google glass is one of those geek terms that you've definitely heard float around for a while especially if you were watching the phone related tech reviews
0: and it actually was marketed a little bit towards the consumers Then they kind of pulled back, and just right now the only way to buy it is if you're actually a business, and there's a particular application for it. So a regular consumer, I don't think, can even get their hands on it. But for a while there, they were kind of doing some beta testing where it made it look like they were going to go after the consumer.
1: Well, there was was a reason for it, though, because the Google Glass, at least the first edition, had a problem where if you changed climates, so people who were the types who would travel from really cold climates to really hot climates from like you know they do it for their business or for their work they have to travel uh, it would basically break the Google glass every time you did it
2: but that would be anybody that would have to go from a heated house out into winter or that kind of thing yeah, so it wouldn't even that. need to be wouldn't need to be travel it could just be anybody in the north especially the midwest and you just go from inside your house where it's probably sitting around 70 degrees to outside where it could be two.
1: Yeah, this is really more of a product for people who live in a climate that doesn't change drastically or not really not in a cold climate because I've seen a lot of reviews and reports. This was also in the early days of Google Glass. And I think that's why they kind of transition away from the consumer side because there were so many things that they had to you know, consider at that point. When they were doing it. And also the price of the Google Glass was not very cheap. So even if it was barely consumer, if you want to call it consumer.
0: I think this gives them an advantage. When you look at Google Glass and you have Microsoft HoloLens, they're in the market right now. You also have companies like Lenovo that have their versions for enterprise and things out there. But any of the ones out in the market today are not, well, any of the big players, let me say, are really not consumer focused. There's kind of some... Companies you're probably not very familiar with that have some type of products and things out there. I think Snapchat at some point had some glasses. They're not quite AR, VR, but took
1: pictures and various <laughs> things like that. The crap. Snap Spectacles. Yeah. Snap crap. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, this, that would this be is, them. This is a great example of how not to p- release a product maybe if you want to sell something that actually people want, don't put it in a random vending machine that's only in certain locations and that's the only way you can buy it. So Snapchat learned their lesson about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Talk about a product I was never even tempted in technology to pick up a pair of would be those. But I think when you look at the bigger picture as well and you kind of scale back and you see that Facebook in some of their moves recently, changing their name to Meta, They're looking to bring this augmented reality and virtual reality as a part of their big overall plan for the company, so much so that they're changing their name, they're releasing these commercials, they're, of course, have their headsets out there that, funny enough, despite all of the shortages, I see those headsets always on the shelf. Every time I go to the store, there's tons of them there. And I really think Facebook's reputation is so bad now with the general consumer that people won't touch it just because it's Facebook, which is an interesting Mm -hmm. challenge for them. But you also have to remember that despite my personal dislike for this company, I mean immense dislike for this company, they have extremely deep pockets. They have an bountiful tons of information on practically every person in the world that they've acquired through their metadata that they've got, which is kind of funny. They changed the name to meta and They have the capabilities because they're very talented people that work for Facebook. They like to hire a lot of hackers and people like that, that can create a really powerful product potentially for them that would be both consumer and business focused. So from a business standpoint, you could see more of the augmented reality. And from a consumer standpoint and some business too, some of the virtual reality stuff, uh, that they could play into there. But obviously, the headset they have on the market right now, you're not going to go walking around in the public. I mean, you could, but you'd look pretty silly. With that huge headset on, unlike Google Glass, which was something at least a little more palatable, although you still kind of look like a nerd walking
1: around with it. I think Logitech made one that looks like regular sunglasses. And that's that's the anybody who makes a product that looks like that is the more likely to win because it just looks like glasses. However, the whole problem with I think Facebook has their the same kind of thing, or is an no, it's an Instagram one where they have the shades and it has the cameras on it, and then, you know, there's only one little light indicator to inform people that you're recording stuff. Which, in terms of like privacy protection, which is arguably uh, not enough like some people are saying that that light is not enough. and so if the, the more and more they look like sunglasses, the less able you're to be able to tell that someone's actually recording stuff. So I, I think there's like a, a balance to try to make and I think it's funny that the Facebook you mentioned how Facebook's reputation is going down or has been down for a long time. I think that in change to meta, is because everyone hates Facebook. Even the people who use Facebook on the regular also hate Facebook. <laughs> so, well, Facebook's I,
0: only for yeah. like parents now too, right? Because all the kids have migrated to Instagram, I think, which is also owned by Facebook. But well, no, they're I on TikTok of, of, now. <laughs> uh, yeah, TikTok. So one of those things Get out there. Get
2: with the times, Ren. Yeah, yeah I'm come, not on, come on, down with the
0: social
1: media. You gotta TikTok it.
0: When we look at hardware, for a second, I just want to talk about what's currently out there. Now, this doesn't mean that Google Glass, because they're focused on enterprise with specific use, maybe in the medical field, maybe in the engineering field, where this type of thing would be very useful currently. So they're not putting consumer-level specs in these things. So this isn't really, when we go through these specs, not something to put them down for necessarily. But it is interesting what's currently being used out there. And then if you think about what you would need to enter into the consumer market which I'd love to get your opinions on what you think you would have to kind of change with that. So currently Google Glass has a Qualcomm Snapdragon XR1. They use Android OS, of course. So it only has a 640 by 360 pixel RGB, and it has a touchpad. and battery is 800 milliamp hours and three gigabytes of RAM. So it's a pretty low end device overall, 640 by 360. I don't know if they have different versions that may have higher resolution, I wasn't able to easily find it. This seemed to be the one they were advertising out there, but I was pretty shocked by that terrible resolution there, 640 by 360.
2: And I think at this point, if you're mainly just looking at text, you're not actually doing images. It probably wouldn't seem as bad as it sounds on paper. But if you were looking at any kind of images, that's where I think a screen size this small would be really sketch.
1: I think the 720 is kind of like the minimum you should that should be available, even with the very close field of view. I think even the text wouldn't it would be a problem because it be you know have to be very crisp, and I don't think that that's large enough to do that. But I also think that they're just trying to, you know, do a thing where that's also not really in the way, so you're only occasionally looking at it is the goal. Whereas other right. things like the hollow lens is trying to like convert your entire uh, environment into this virtual minority report kind of thing which i admit does sound pretty awesome
0: yeah so the hololens from microsoft is way more impressive from the spec standpoint it has hand tracking for gestures touch and grasp you have eye tracking as well you have voice commands you have spatial mapping mixed reality so you'd be looking at your normal environment so you're not running into walls at the office But you could also have, as you're walking down the street, some mixed reality things that potentially pop up like, hey, enter this restaurant and get $20 off your meal or whatever uh, type of situations where you can mix real reality with uh, augmented reality. And I think that's a really cool option. Then they've got 2K, 3x2 light engines, Qualcomm Snapdragon 850, 4 gigabytes of LP ddr 4 x system RAM, and two to three hours of battery life in, in this current HoloLens that's out there. Again, not meant for the consumer market, but they're definitely going a whole different level, I think, than Google Glass. And that's not to say Google Glass probably doesn't have a bunch of experimental devices out there where they could ramp it up with all of these same features and things, but as far as what's out on the market, HoloLens seems to be the furthest ahead. Now. The interesting thing, because we talked about the Apple and their laptops and their general good good designs that they put into things. There's an analyst out there that has basically been predicting Apple releases for the last 10 years, Ming-Chi-Ku. And they have correctly predicted releases out there for the last 10 years. And one of the things that they are predicting that's going to come out next year that Apple apparently has been working on quite aggressively is Apple's version of AR VR glasses. And this will Mm. be really interesting because Apple, when they release something generally, not all the time, but generally they have, of course, a consumer focus And the products tend to be very, very high quality.
1: I mean, it's very interesting to see that Apple would be even getting into this world because they don't seem like they would do it until... you know. Typically what they do is other companies are in it for many, many years and then Apple comes in and swoops in and basically does the same thing but it makes it look more pretty and polished and then they get credit for the thing that has already been a thing. I I don't think that AR has gotten to that point yet. I think it's been around for a while, but I don't think it's even been... You know, it's not been in the purview of most people in terms of even being aware of it, much less, you know, wanting an Apple version of it.
2: This is where that launch of their own ARM based chip can really make the difference for them. And part of the reason why they could be jumping into this market now, yeah, Google has done it before and it was okay, especially considering what it was able to do at the time that they put it out. You've got other companies that are going at this, but at a business focus, Apple could be seeing where this is going. And one of the reasons why they created their own ARM chip is for options like this. A friend of mine has a pair of Bose glasses. She absolutely loves them. Are they AR, VR? No, but they have Good sound quality for her. She wears hers all of the time for listening to music, podcasts, taking phone calls on. If Apple can do it in the same way Bose has or something similar with their glasses that look close to everyday glasses, they're comfortable to wear, they sound good, and they can run their own silicone, it's probably a pretty smart move for Apple.
1: I think that's a really interesting point, especially with like the Bose glasses. When I first saw these in the store, I thought they were just like gimmicking nonsense. Like who would want this? So of course I put them on to try it out and I want this because it's such a cool, it it is gimmicky and it sounds ridiculous in terms of like, this is a pair of sunglasses that are supposed to have high quality audio yet not be able to hear them when you're walking next to someone and that sort of stuff. And also not having to have earbuds in your ear, and you get the benefit of that. It sounds like a gimmick, but it works very well, and the audio sounds surprisingly good.
2: Yeah, they're definitely not made for the audiophile, but can you imagine if you have those glasses, your music playing, and you could skip songs with your eyes?
0: That would be really advantageous, especially some of the songs that people think or the, the service thinks that you want to listen to. Uh, being able to skip it in the gym with your eyes would be wonderful. I actually had a pair of the Bose sunglasses. I had them for several months. I eventually got rid of them for one reason. it Because the frame was so thick, you could not fold them into your shirt. You know how sometimes you put like one of the Arms of the glasses into your shirt when you're walking into sure. a store because you don't want to have arm, you know, sunglasses sitting around uh, on your head or walking around like you're so cool that you have to have shades on 24 seven in a light environment. So you couldn't do that because the arms were so thick and the glasses would kind of jet out from your chest, and you couldn't really put them on your hat either or put them anywhere else. So it was kind of inconvenient to carry them around but the sound quality was absolutely fantastic. And I could sit there at baseball games or other things and listen to audiobooks or music, and other people around me wouldn't hear them even though there's nothing in my ears. It's just kind of going around your, your earlobe on the back and projecting that sound in. And I think that's a perfect example of a product that doesn't have all the capabilities of AR VR, but you can see the capabilities, what you can do with sound and things on a pair of glasses, Bose would be an early indicator device for what someone like Apple could do and then enhance that even further. And I love the fact that you mentioned the ARM chip as well, Wendy, because we talked about the battery life earlier on the laptop. Now, obviously, you're not gonna be able to fit all the same amount of battery packs into a pair of sunglasses. However, we know how efficient these chips are and the particular analyst here was predicting that there will be two processors, Mac equivalent processors, um, one as your standard CPU and another to handle all of the sensor inputs and things out there. But you probably wouldn't have to have as powerful as a chip, number one. And number two, even if you could get eight hours out of this, that's much better than the current products, which only have two to three hours of use out of them. So you would be tripling the amount of the current products on the market right there alone if you're able to do that. And they're predicting that this won't be a device that you pair with your phone particularly, or need to pair with your phone, that it's gonna be a standalone device, not an accessory. So the prediction is this is gonna kind of be their next product that they wanna sell a bajillion of that you're gonna replace your phone with. And the headset will make use of two Sony 4K micro OLED displays. Again, this is the prediction. And it's going to support the full range of apps like you have on your phone. And you'll be walking around basically with this augmented reality glasses made by Apple, which they can make some really good products out there using their new silicon.
1: Yeah, I'll give them credit that Apple t- tends to make really nice hardware and they it might not be the most powerful specs most of the time but when they do make it it is a solid product and I'll, i will acknowledge that so it would have me tempted to try this out especially since i wouldn't have to have an iphone or a mac because i don't have either one of those and i don't want either one of those uh, but it would be cool to be able to have this and not be you know forced into their walled garden but i also wanted to say real quick uh, this person who is predicting and i put air quotes around predicting. If you're correct for 10 years about your predictions, you're more than a prediction. You you have some insider information somehow. That's exactly. Just, you're right.
2: leaking stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is very yeah. specific of these particular types of displays and, and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it's a little more than a leak at this point. You just you're on the manufacturing assembly line making these things yeah. probably. It seems like it. I think this is really interesting And Apple has a way of making products look really good in general, and that's going to be one of your big hurdles, is who's going to want to walk around with currently like the Google Glass, which is the closest thing to a consumer product. Nobody really wanted to walk around with it. Apple has a tendency to make and design things that really look good. Likely have Siri integration. All right, that's maybe a bad thing. Never mind on that one. But amazing resolution, (laughs) mixed reality, design you'd actually wear, an all-day battery potentially. I think this could do some really cool things. And if you think about it from a business perspective, the things you could do from being able to walk around and see your computer screens, maybe able to display like a heads-up display or holographic displays for a keyboard, uh, be able to move your screens around, be able to have two screens if you need two screens. There's a lot of virtual workspace capabilities. Take your calls. You could game, of course, potentially with these devices on your head, and you could have a controller in your hand. Or it could use eye tracking and other things. Like There's so much potential here in things that could be done. When you think about this, whether it's Apple or anybody else that releases it, is this something you guys see in your future that you're excited about, that you want to wear with the potential to have this mixed reality going on and have one pair of glasses that can kind of do it all? Watch your TV, be your phone, be able to take your calls, business, personal, all of it right there in a pair of glasses.
2: I want to be excited about it. I really, really want to be excited about it. But it comes down to privacy implications. Apple has been more, quote unquote, on the privacy side than some of these other companies. I wouldn't trust anything that comes from Facebook, Meta, whatever in the world they want to call themselves. And I'm really uncomfortable with other people having them on their faces. I already don't have an automated home. I have held off on all of the little gadgets from the two major companies because I don't want those extra ears that are constantly listening all of the time. And I'm not feeling any more comfortable with these devices in general just based on all of the constant data that they will be gathering. A, where does that go? Where is it being stored? What are they doing with it? Those are all things that I really, really want cleared up before there's something for me. And when it comes to replacing the TV, eh, I'm not sure about that either. Typically the only time I'm watching TV is when I'm sitting down with my family. So we're watching something together or after the kids go to bed and I'm just watching something with my husband. That's an experience that I want shared. I don't want it personalized to just me and the glasses in front of my face. Part of watching shows with the kids is seeing their reaction when something funny is happening or the one time we were watching one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and everybody knew that there was a jump scare coming up. Everybody looked at my youngest kid, which was absolutely hilarious. Like we all got a kick out of the jump scare (laughs) from him at the time of watching the movie. I don't want to lose that.
0: But imagine a world in which you're not losing that because in a mixed reality situation, the TV would still be projected potentially on your wall to everybody at the same time. And when you look over at your son, you're looking through clear glasses. So you would still have that experience and it could record that experience as well. So you would have an experience that would go into your family photo album or videos because it would be recorded. Potentially you could have it recording knowing that jump scare is coming up. And capture that moment for everybody. So the mixed reality side, if they were able to implement it correctly, would still allow you to have those moments. But I 100% agree with you from a privacy standpoint, this is what's holding technology back. Having a personal assistant in my home, I want. I, I love the idea. I want something to turn on lights. I want something to play music that I want. I see the commercials. You know, I get into the idea of having a little personal assistant, set a timer, different things like this. But because of the privacy implications, I don't have any of these devices in my home. I don't use them. I don't trust them. I've had them and tested them and saw that they were recording way more than when I asked for, uh, hey, Alexa, it was recording all kinds of conversations that were going on in the home through there, which at least they gave you the ability to go and audit those. And that was shocking enough to me that all those devices left my home and I never brought them back in again. And I think this is the biggest hurdle these companies will have to overcome is how do you deal with the privacy implications of having a camera on your face all the time? Because at least your phone, you can kind of turn it over, you can leave it in another room, those type of things. But if everybody's walking around with these glasses on, because that's your entertainment, that's your TV, that's your cell phone, that's your everything, you're not likely just to go leave them in another room very often. That's a lot of privacy stuff that we're gonna have to contend with. And these companies are gonna have to realize if they want adoption, they're gonna have to address these privacy concerns.
1: Eventually, they'll probably have to address them, but uh, I think there are people right now who kind of look at it as, you know, they already have my data, then, you know, whatever. And, and that's unfortunate, but it is a perspective that is is highly... Uh, it's an it's unfortunate,
0: terribly <laughs> ignorant perspective that people don't understand because it's already had right. real-life implications to people who are, you know, your great law-abiding citizens getting caught up in things because of geofencing and other Stuff that they really weren't involved in, but because their device said they were there, they're getting in trouble in real life.
1: Yeah, real. They just happened great to walk people. by something, or they were just they were driving by and it pinged them and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It, there's some there's some bad stuff that is happening that people should be aware of and be you know and care about privacy absolutely. Uh, but I do think that there is an element of this technology as a whole. So if, if we take out the, the privacy implications, because of course there's a problem uh, for sure, especially with depending on, I mean, there's no, not a chance I would even even consider the idea of looking at a Facebook <laughs> product for this kind of thing. Not a chance. And uh, But other ones, maybe. And depending on the technology, it could be cool to play with. And I wouldn't be using it all day and doing work with it, maybe depending on it is. But the idea of having like a giant uh, workspace in a virtual world sounds cool. But I also think it's not really that like practical. It just, because it, like just putting on VR. Uh, like AR maybe, but VR for sure is just, you know, you get disoriented after a certain amount of time or a certain amount of activity with it. And with an AR, while it's cool, I think it only has certain levels of value, like getting data about something, but in order to get all that data, it has to scan all this stuff. So I'm not really sure how helpful it could be, but I did see one instance that would be amazing Where you're wearing these, you're traveling and you're doing going to a different uh, country that has a different language, and it could use the AR stuff to automatically translate it as you look at it. That is amazing as an idea, and uh, showing the demos of how that works is just very, very cool.
0: We know that technology works. That technology is on my Google Pixel phone, and my son had a Naruto shirt on. And it had a bunch of Japanese characters on it. And he's like, what does it say? And I could just take my phone, look at those that, that text on his shirt, and it translated it to what it said. And so the capability is already there. Putting it into right. glasses is just a matter of the, the software's already there, just loading the software in. So though that's a sure. real life situation where something would be really advantageous for traveling. And also, I think, for work meetings and things. I mean, I, I think it would be interesting to have a virtual version of yourself sitting around a meeting with everybody working from home and other things. I think there are some real world implications here. I think this is coming. I don't think we can avoid it. The question is, will it really be replacing all your screens or will it be more of an accessory thing that you utilize? I don't know, but they are not letting go. VR really never took off like they expected it to when PlayStation came out with theirs. Uh, Steam and Valve came out with theirs. They thought it was going to take over the gaming world. And it never really did because it was just too expensive and there mm-hmm. wasn't enough value to it. But these companies are still pushing through. They're still investing billions of dollars into this. And I think if you see someone like Apple come into it, I think there's a real chance that it's going to kind of push everybody to be releasing. You're going to have your Samsung glasses and every every company out there will be releasing their version of the glasses so it's kind of a thing that I don't think we're going to be able to avoid very much longer and it'll be interesting to see how it changes our world in this AR VR mix that we're going to have coming up in the future.
1: I can't wait to get my Supreme AR goggles as long as they run Linux. Absolutely. Well, it doesn't matter as long as it has a brand Supreme slapped on it because that's Okay. That's <laughs> Supreme.
0: You want glasses Supreme.
1: So like no. a Taco Supreme. No, it's a very specific reference that not a lot of people are going to get. But if whoever, the people who do get it will be laughing Put it a in the comments below
0: because... <laughs> if you got it.
1: But I do think there's a lot of potential for the AR, AR goggles themselves. And I also think that I don't want them to look like sunglasses. I want them to look like, this is weird, but I kind of want them to look like skydiving goggles. So that they're very distinct, but also kind of look cool.
0: That way you know somebody's recording or whatever because it's distinctly a pair of glasses for AR, VR. I was thinking more of the next generation Jordy visor. I think I walk around with that all the time.
2: 100%.
1: I
0: would definitely do that. That's the way to go. Apple, if you're listening. I can see
2: that. And that way, when you see somebody walking down the road with it and it's the one that's from Facebook or Meta, you can know to avoid them and go hide in a store or a back alley because you don't want them... (laughs) seeing your face because you don't want them having your data at all.
1: Exactly. That's another, yeah, there's another reason to cross the street.
0: Then you have to put a device Mm -hmm. around your neck that projects a fake face over your face so that their tracking device can't scan your face. There's a way around it. You just have to have more devices. There probably
2: would have to be some kind of hardware to help with that. If everybody is walking around with these glasses, if it does become the future, if it does become a point just like we have now, where just about everybody has a quote-unquote smartphone, or my husband would say, smarter-than-me phone, then you can't really get away from that tracking because it's everywhere. So what is the hardware that is going to offset everybody seeing everything going on and it all going to the cloud, and where do you store that much data?
1: In the metaverse.
0: Yeah, I'm sure Google and Facebook would gladly set up their servers to store all of that data for free. For everybody out there. We'll Mm, see what the future looks like come next year, maybe the year after, maybe five years from now. But there is a product right now that I think practically comes from the future that you can get right now and download it. Wendy, tell us what that product is.
2: That is Bitwarden, my friend. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager as well as additional authentications such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash to get started for free. Bitwarden is the past manager that I personally use, trust, and I show to all of my friends and family. It's self-hosted, Their security audits, Plus, it's open source. Go to bitwarden.com slash steal in to get started for free. But say you want that premium account that starts at just $10 per year. What comes with that? One gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, or Duo, vault health reports, TOTP authenticator storage and generation, plus priority customer support. Make the smart move like many of the community have. And go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free.
0: Okay, Wendy, take us into the camera corner and solve the mystery of how do I stabilize this webcam that's attached to my desk that anytime I touch the desk, it wobbles all over the place.
2: And that definitely is a major concern, especially if you're doing all kinds of video conferencing or you on Destination Linux and using a video podcast setup. One of the ways to go about this, if your desk is by a wall, is to use a wall mount setup. There's several different versions of it. You can get ones that can move in all different directions. So basically you have a plate that literally mounts to the wall. That's what helps to keep it the most stable. And then you can adjust that arm exactly where you need it. Not everybody has a wall close by, so they do make ceiling mounts. So this one can be really tricky too. If you've got a really high ceiling, if you don't like the look that you're going to get from some of these ceiling mounts, that could be a problem. One of the best solutions when I was going through the options is a stand with a boom arm. The downside of Mm -mm. this one is you have to have your desk pulled away from the wall in order to do that. So you'll have your basic stand that comes off the floor and then a boom arm where your camera is mounted. So you can position that over your monitor to the side wherever you want it to be, but it's completely separated from your desk. That's not an option that I could use myself because the room I'm in is so cramped. My desk is butted right up against the wall and wouldn't necessarily work. So for me, it would be more of a wall mount option Ceiling mount, if I could find one low enough, I'm typically standing at my sit-stand desk. So that's where it could be an issue if your desk is moving up and down and you're wanting to keep somewhat of a look consistent. Any of those options, you're going to have to adjust your camera if you go from sitting or standing. One of the things that I was looking into, and I didn't find one specifically for webcams themselves, but a vibration isolator mount, and these are really pretty cool. They've been developed by the filming industry for shooting video when you're driving down the road, you're moving with it, and it takes that bounce out of it. Now, the ones that I found are definitely more priced on the higher end, but I'm betting with a little bit more digging, you can find some smaller ones, little more compact, less expensive ones. They can go between your actual tripod and the camera. So it would sit in between, you have your tripod coming off the desk or whatever stand you're using that's physically on your desk, then you'd put that vibration isolator on top of your tripod and then your camera mounts to that. So as you bump your desk, that vibration isolator would take that movement instead of the camera itself. You could probably also do this with a gimbal, The downside of doing this at the gimbal is having a battery in your gimbal at the same time, needing to take it apart and recharge your gimbal and that. But I know the one I have, I can mount my gimbal directly to a tripod and if I had that set up, my gimbal would still take the vibration and my image would stay steady, even though it's still on a tripod on my desk. Those are somewhat the best options, although... Every single one of them is going to take time to, A, deal with expense, or B, having to take it on and off to recharge batteries of the gimbal, or move the boom arm, move the wall mount adjustments for sitting and standing.
0: Well, I think these are some workable solutions here. The the wall mount actually is the most likely that would work. The problem is that particular one, and there's probably multiple variations, the particular one that you linked to is about eight inches. I would need something, because the desk is a sit-stand desk in an L shape, it's probably about 14 inches from the wall, and it has to come in between the monitors for the show. So I'd need something a little longer than that, but there's probably versions out there. But I think that would work for my case because the battery is a dumb battery that basically makes it think it's on all the time. And so if I had that wall mount coming out and it was attached to the wall short of an earthquake, that would reduce a lot of the vibration that I'm dealing with here now with the desk. The gimbal is really interesting, or the cloud mount
2: is really
1: interesting, but
0: $400, it's not that
1: interesting. Yeah, not that interesting. I'd rather just remember not to hit the desk.
2: Yeah, and they're definitely more expensive because the, this one in particular is made for the film industry, so it probably has way more vibration absorbing than anything you're going to need as you accidentally bump your desk while flailing your hands in your excitement during an episode of Destination Linux.
0: Now, I don't flail my hands that often. Okay, I do. I actually get yeah. comments in my videos where people are like, why are you talking with your hands? Your movements don't mean anything. I'm like, shut up and go watch another video. Leave alone.
2: <laughs> yeah, then people are really glad they don't see me as we record this show because even during the ad reads, my husband makes fun of me when he's in here as we're recording the show because my hands are all over the place even though you can't see me.
0: Yeah, it's just, you know, that's how we talk. Deal with it. That's right. But these are really okay. good options actually out here uh, to try out. I could mm-hmm. potentially do the stand with the boom arm as well because that would come from the side and go to the middle. Uh, I'd have to do some measurements and see, but you came through, Wendy. You gave me a lot of great options well out done. here to try for sure.
2: Why, thank
1: you. The boom arm is actually probably the most for me. As, and I think it's also worth noting that in some cases, like people who rent their living space can't do certain things like a ceiling mount or a wall mount and that sort of stuff. So this stand with a boom arm is an option for those people as well.
2: Yeah, because you don't have to worry about putting holes in the wall and dealing with lands or landlords and the such about how many, wall, how many holes did you put on the wall. This, with the mm-hmm. stand and boom arm, is pretty clean. You can typically find these pretty inexpensively. You just have to make sure that you're having proper counterweight on the back of your boom arm So your camera doesn't go falling forward and you break it and now your expense is so much higher because of using this other type of device.
1: That's a good point and also a very um, good reason for me to just try to not bump the desk when I'm recording.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You can weight them down pretty good. I have one that I've used for lighting. I really love my stand with the boom arm. I haven't mounted a camera on it per se because I do have a tripod that has pretty much the same function. The center arm piece will come up and it's got a hole in it so as it comes up you can turn it and have a horizontal view for images. It's one of the best things for taking from the top food photos. But the boom arm I've used multiple times in the ways of lighting and such and these great big light boxes that are on top of this boom arm, I just have to make sure I've got counterweight on the backside of the boom arm. And then I will put weights directly on the bottom of the stand itself because I am horribly clumsy. And when you have multiple stands all around and you're set everywhere, that even counts for when you're doing a podcast and a show and you've got your hardware around, your desk around, all kinds of other stuff waiting the bottom of that stand really helps. So if you accidentally kick it, something accidentally gets knocked against it, it's not really going to go anywhere. And the hardware that's mounted to it is a lot safer.
0: Well, thank you again, Wendy. And that's it. Our 50th episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the great content on the Destination Linux Network. Head to DestinationLinux.network and check out all the amazing podcasts, YouTube partners. They're all there
1: to fill your brains with.
2: Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow.
1: We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time for another stabilized augmented episode in the Hardware Verse. Are we making a Hardware Verse? I mean... I think every episode is kind of like interconnected. For uh, a uh, hardware addicts, what players? if we did hardware
0: addicts with AR glasses and stuff on, so people could see what we're seeing? Yes, we see Wendy moving her arms and flailing them around.
1: <laughs> really yeah. Well, both of your arms flailing around. So. Yeah, see all of our arms flailing, <laughs>
0: like those things in front of sales car shop. The, the wacky, wave, wacky waving, wacky Fla-
1: waving and flailing arm tube man, something like yeah, that. That,
0: yeah. <laughs>